don't think you can teach friendliness. Like you're either friendly or you're not. Welcome to the Tip the Scales podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of LawRick. Today, I have a very special guest, Mark Anderson. He's one of my favorite clients. And we talked about so many things, starting with his famous fiance. We talked about intake, which I am so passionate about, having a coach that is outside of the legal space, targeting the Spanish-speaking community, mass torts. I hope you guys enjoy it. Mark Anderson, thank you so much for joining me. So glad to be here, finally. I know. Let's talk about my biggest annoyance, intake. You think everybody sucks at intake? Well, I do remember the first time, one of the first times we spoke, and at that point, I think you were a client. You must have been. And then you were saying how your intake was great. And I was like, okay, I'm going to secret shop it. And you were very sure of yourself. You're like, go ahead, secret shop me. And then 15 minutes later, I get an email titled Abort Mission. And you were like, no, don't secret shop me just yet. Truthfully, I, I thought I was better than I was. And so I, when you said that, I, I thought, well, I got to make sure that we're as good as I say we are. And I immediately found a couple of holes. And I swear that was probably, you know, whatever, a year ago, year plus. And I still think that. I still think that, you know, I can have a pl- hole plugged and we have it figured out. And then I'll test it again and something will be wrong. I think intake is something, you, it's kind of like a kind of like an old car. You got to keep working on it to keep it running. Oh, it's like working out. Yeah. You can't true. just stop. No. I've tried. Stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be really cool if you could work out for a month and have gains for 11 months after Six that. Six-pack abs. What would you consider a well-ran intake, a good intake? There's several things. I mean, first of all, they just got to be fast. However the lead comes in, whether it's through a website or some other source, whether it's a call or an email lead, uh, they just got to go fast. And if there's a live transfer aspect to it, um, they have to be able to answer that phone right then and and get the caller on. So fast is my number one deal. And if I ever see, every now and then I catch this where we have a lead come in and we're not on it as fast as I want. I don't have a criteria of five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I have a criteria of now. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if not, it's too competitive out there. They can go somewhere else. If I don't care where the lead comes from, if they're referred to me by a doctor or a former client, there's, they're getting referred somewhere else as well. And so you got to go fast on those. Uh, internet, yeah, I mean, they're looking at a screen with 10 other lawyers on the screen saying the same thing. It's really hard to be unique. Uh, and so if you happen to be lucky and they choose you, you got to talk to them then. And it's not, I'll call them back later. It's got, I, I don't care. You got to talk to them then. So fast is my number one deal. What's your missed call rate? I, I can look this up, so... Less than 4%. That's amazing. I'm going to verify that. I don't even think that's acceptable, but when we check into it. They're bots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, we, you know, we have a rule at my office, uh, you know, when the, when the phone comes in, I mean, when the phone rings as far as backup and answering, and if we don't get to it, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about it. Uh, and there's no reason we have a 55 employees and everybody has the phone ring and I don't care if they're an attorney or me. If it's on that last ring, somebody better pick it up. Your intake specialists, are they signing up the case or does it go to a lawyer? Currently, they're signing up the case. And I say currently, it's going to stay that way. I used to be slower about it uh, and they would basically screen to see if we wanted it, schedule a time for a lawyer 
to call. Oh and, my god! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. How many? No. We, how many did we lose? How much? It was just horrible. And there, I have friends out there that still do it that way. Oh, I know. Okay, I just have you know found religion on that, and I just I think that's too slow, and we lost too many. What if they can't close it? Well, I'm changing it, and I love the change that I'm about to make. But now, if the intake specialist can't close it, and they can about 85% of the time, and we track that, then the 15 they can't, uh, they try to get a lawyer as fast as they can. And all lawyers on my staff are all trained to to close the file, uh, and they get them on the line. Now, sometimes it doesn't happen as fast as I want. The, 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 the PNC might say, okay, we'll have somebody call me tomorrow. Then we're kind of stuck with that. Uh, but right, that's our process now. I'm changing it because I've hired another attorney to be embedded into intake. And so that person uh, will be available to transfer the call and always available. And if um, it's just going to speed it up because we're going to – is their only role going to be intake? Starting out, but I don't think that's a full-time role but based on our call volume and our sign-up rate. And our intake specialist can sign up so many of these, 85%. So uh, I'm going to, once she's fully on board with that uh, and as good as she can get as far as an intake lawyer, then I'm going to uh, let her do some pre-lit. Now I have a question. Let's say you get 100 qualified leads. 100 wants, you want these cases. What is your close rate? Ours is abnormally high because we have so many referred clients, and so they're pre-sold, whether they're from a doctor's office or from a former client. But what about your SEO ones? That ought to be in the high 90s, like 95% and above. Intake team, now you're going to have basically, if they can't close it, the attorney steps in. Do you have call scripts? Basic call scripts. Um and so that is part of the intake training, which takes a long time. And it's done by my intake specialist. I mean, the lead one who's been there 10 years. And she's in mm-hmm. my firm has grown from just a handful of us to uh, to a lot of us. And she stayed in the same position and she is really, really good. So she does a lot of the on the job training with the scripts. Um, but it's it's not I don't want it scripted so much to where somebody it feels scripted absolutely so much of it is at least initially on the call is listening showing empathy and then converting over to appeasing uh, the pnc that this is something we can handle and we can you know and then stressing the sense of urgency and then going into the to the close aspect i just don't want them reading part of the script when it doesn't apply because sometimes people call up and they're just ready to sign well you don't need to waste your time no. with with part of the script sometimes you're never going to close it uh and so maybe that script's not right either now do you think you can teach friendliness and empathy i think you can to some degree to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody has their, their limits on their emotions. Um, you can tell a sad person to be happy, but are they really going to be happy? You know, you can tell somebody that if they don't have empathy. Hopefully, I'll, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to get them to, to show that. Uh, no, I agree. I only mentioned this because I think when people are interviewing uh, candidates for an intake role, that person either comes across as friendly and maybe like you throw something in there to see if they have empathy. I wonder what that could be. Something like, oh, God, I have a headache and see how they respond. I don't know. But I I think empathy, you can probably teach that more like how to be empathetic on a call. I don't think you can teach friendliness. Like you're either friendly or you're not. Yeah, I agree with that. And of course, that's just one part of it. You want to be able to sell your services. It's a salesperson. It's it a is. sales position. Period. 
like I don't until people get this like it's going to be really hard to really nail down intake for any firm. And it should be treated like a sales team. I really think it should be, there are quotas and goals and bonuses and accountability and, you know, role plays and coaching and different scenarios. And depending on the type of case, there needs to be a sales pitch that's tailored to that. So if they were in a catastrophic car accident talking about results that you guys have had for that specific case. Oh, for sure. Sales is key. And if going back to empathy, I would rather teach that or get somebody that's that's okay with that, but if they're really good at sales, I think they're going to be more successful. Absolutely. And if they have a sales background, that's even better because in sales, all the sales training courses, they talk about when you have an objection, how do you get around the objection? Absolutely. And, and I want my team to be able to do that because there are objections. It could be, what's your fee or it could be i mean people call us and they're already biased against lawyers but they're still calling us because they don't have a choice and but they do have objections and the key is to identify them and and get get your work around i know you guys record your calls yes we try to do it routinely we don't have a quota uh and it's so important oh my gosh um we i i listened to one actually she listened to one and said you have to listen to it and we had somebody that had been in this role less than six months but this should have been discovered way earlier so we weren't doing routine enough uh or um and she listened to the call and she stuck to the script and she did not the person was talking and you need to every now and then interject and show empathy and show that you're listening and it, it, it was a horrible screen and we just, there was no way she'd been there six months she'd been trained and retrained and we had to let her go after that but i really wish we would have had a, a better system in place to listen earlier because it kind of scares me to think how many how many cases we might have lost because she wasn't good enough and we weren't we weren't checking in on the we weren't listening in often enough put it that way so now we've increased it you know, we should all learn from errors, right? And my error was not having that frequent enough. So, you know, my background is sales. Yes. So the way that I'm just thinking, literally as we're talking, but I would like to know out of all these leads that you say they're qualified. Okay, great. Now we know these are qualified leads, but I would like to spot check the leads that weren't qualified to A, make sure, okay, these really were not qualified, Right. And then obviously spot check the qualified leads to make sure that it was ran correctly. But whenever a firm says to me, oh yeah, you know, we closed 95% of our wanted cases. I'm like, but how do you know that all those calls that you are saying were not qualified, if nobody's spot checking, how do you know that there wasn't cases in there? No, you have to, you, you absolutely have to check it. And, and you can check it the same way. Just re record, record the calls, which we do. Listen to the calls, which takes time. Uh, and I have an example of that. I had somebody that was not an intake, but a receptionist. And everybody at the office has to be trained on what are we looking for? Uh, you know, we're a law firm. We do PI work. But what does that mean? Somebody had called in about a dog bite case. The receptionist took their basic information. We always get their name and number in case the call disconnects. Put them on hold so she could find an intake person. Happened to be at a time she couldn't find one. I don't even know how hard she looked, went back to the um, to the caller and told him simply we didn't handle dog bite cases. No, I would have been livid. How long do you think she lasted after I found out about that? I hope she didn't. No, she didn't. 
nice girl, but she had been trained. She knew, and uh, everybody that answers the phone knows what we do. That's part of the training. But see, uh, you caught it, and you just said something that's key, and I'm sorry to interrupt. You said she had been trained. Sure. And I think the problem the industry has as a whole is that they think, oh, I it's a set and forget. And it's like, no, it's not. Just because somebody's trained doesn't mean that they're gonna do what they're supposed to be doing. And it could be something as simple as they're having a bad day, they're hungover, they're going through something really awful personally. Sure. You know, I mean, it could, or they're, you piss them off and they're like, you know what, F you. You know, so yeah, it's like you have to, they and they have to know that you're listening. Oh yeah, I, I let everybody know I listen to calls, which is a little bit creepy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, no, you know what's creepy? I have a client that has uh, overseas employees and he wanted them to record themselves working. I think I called you about this. Did yeah, I call you about this? We, we, I've talked about it. I can't remember if I talked about it with you. It, it that's that, That is so invasive. Like, No, that's too much. Yeah. That's too much. I, I've I heard wouldn't want to do that. No, no. I don't want to watch people work. I know. It's so weird. No, that's creepy. It is Listening creepy. calls is not creepy because it's quality control. And you have to. You have to let your employees know. You have to stress the importance of intake. Uh, and you have to retrain. And that that is the thing that, that gets missed because you can focus on your intake staff, but they don't answer the phone. We have two receptionists, and then the, the rest of the staff is back up to the phone. All of them have to know what we do. And if a call comes in, it's a you know it might be a potential new call, I mean, new client, and you have to be able to do that initial screen just to get it to an intake specialist. Or if they're not available, you got to get it to somebody else that, that is their backup. And we have a lot of case managers that have been there a long time that are qualified to screen. They're maybe not as good as my intake folks because they don't do it daily and hourly, but they're still certainly good enough. And it's just about not losing that call. Well, I would hate it if, if anybody ever said, let me take a message and we'll call you back. No, if they've taken the trouble to call, we got to talk to them right then and we got to find out if they're, you know, if they're a case we want, if they're qualified, but going back to what you said, yeah, you have to like, you have to look at the people that aren't qualified and make sure your intake staff is, uh, you know, watching out for the right cases. Absolutely. And then it's funny because sometimes I get pushback on the call recording and firms are like, well, we have to let the client know that the call is being recorded. And I'm like, sure. But that's like the easiest solution. Assuming you have to do that. You just quickly say it when the person picks up the phone. This yeah. call may be monitored for quali quality and training purposes. And I feel like people always have like a reason as to why it can't be done or basically it's, I just don't want to do it. That's it. That's it. Because why would you not? Now the trouble is not recording the call or notifying the caller. The trouble is taking the time to listen to Oh, it. absolutely. But see, you need like different um, safeguards in place. Yeah, you have to listen to them all, but you have to do something. You have Every to, month, yeah. You have to do it monthly because people can backslide. Uh, you have new employees, you're training. You, you have to do it, and that's on me to make sure it's done. And it's not It's not the most fun thing to do. No, I'd rather be doing absolutely not. It's, there's nothing fun about it. It's not nah, sexy. It's quality control. You have to do it. I had a firm call me once, and they were panicked. They're like, hey, our cases are down. I'm like, okay, has let's look at calls. Same amount of call volume. Nothing has changed. Has anything changed with your intake? Yes, we just hired two new intake people. I'm like, all right, go do that. Call me back. <laughs> Never called me back. Yeah, yeah. 
especially new ones, you have to just you have to watch them. I mean, they're they're most of them are not coming from another law firm where they've done intake. I just did hire somebody, and it's been wonderful because she had several years' experience, and I can I can turn her loose quicker than I can somebody else. But the the normal one has not done law firm intake before, and sometimes it's a rough uh, go getting them up to speed. Sometimes they don't make it, but it's super important because if you spend all this money to get the phone to ring, you don't convert it. Then you know, hey, it's on the owner. Yeah, if anybody knows any salespeople that have SEO background, particularly in the legal space, that would be amazing. <laughs> have them call me. I'll let them work remote. I don't care. Yeah, I, I won't film them. <laughs> All right. Now you touched on you don't have an after hours answering service. I do not. But somebody's picking up the phone. Sure. Well, I know the answer, but I just want to make sure people. So what? how do you handle that? Okay. So office is open, you know. 8.30 to 5.30. After 5.30, we have an answering service that answers it. And if the caller somehow... So you do have an answering service? We do. Oh, okay, sure. okay, you do. But it's not a law firm-specific answering service. Okay. And so, um, it, I mean, it's not a PI. It's not one that's going to screen the call, put it that way. Okay. They're, they're, not, a, they're not a call center that's going to take the place of an intake team, which is a way to approach it. Okay, the way I see it, you got like three different ways. You could have a call center okay. where after hours you switch it over and they, the call comes in, they screen it, they send the contract, they sign it up, and they give a report on it. And if they couldn't convert it, they let you know and you can do the follow-up. Well, that that's a call center. I'm not interested in that. Uh, Why? Control. And I'm not saying I, I wouldn't do it because I know there's some out there that, are, that do only PI and they're really, really good at it. Have you tried one? I have not. I don't want to. Because you don't want to. Not yet. Not I'll tell yet. tell you why. Because I do, there's, so I view it as a couple of other different options that, that I've always done. And I'm sticking with it uh, because I think it works for me. Is after hours, they transfer the phone call. If, it, if it's a PNC calling to talk about a wreck or whatever it is, then they transfer it to my intake staff. And we have a call tree. We have a phone they pass around weekly so they don't always have to be the burden of the first one. And they will, they being the, the three or four in intake will take the call and they're, they're paid for it. They're paid overtime and they're, they have incentives to, to financial incentives to, to answer the phone. Okay. I do worry about burnout because that's their personal time. So far, it's not been an issue. How many that, calls do you get on the weekend? I don't have a number, uh, but we don't do any advertising. So we don't have any, uh, we we generate our leads through, through other sources, so we don't have ads running or anything like that. It could be from the website or from a referral source. We get some, I mean, uh, five to ten of I mean, screens. That's not insignificant. No, no, and I worry. And those are spread out amongst the staff, the three. Have uh, you thought about an overseas employee? Actually, not necessarily overseas because I get well, weird, what weird about, about the time zones. But, no, but no, 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 like Mexico, sorry. Yeah. I've had trouble hiring in Mexico, and I want I have to. A, I have several employees in the Philippines, and they do great, but they work. They're like twelve hours apart. So I know. If it's, if it's, it's if it's noon here, it's midnight there, and that drives me nuts. We have twenty five employees in Mexico. How do you feel about the Spanish speaking community? Because what I typically hear is that they're amazing clients. I I, I love them. I, I love the culture. Uh, I love I love everything about it. They're they're hardworking folks. Uh, they 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 listen. They they follow direction, and so so they're great clients. In a lot of respects, they don't complain. Uh, they they are they are easy clients to have. Uh, where 
The only downside is, is it's also is, it's part of their upside. They're hardworking folks. They don't they're so loyal. They don't want to miss work. And so if we're trying to set them up with a pain management doctor and the pain management doctor recommends injections, uh, they're going to want to their default is to pass on it because they got to miss a day's worth of work. And mm. so we have to know that they're they're hardworking and they're, that's going to be a problem. And we we address that up front with them where we might not address it with a, somebody from a different culture. Overall, yeah, I, I, I love the Spanish-speaking clientele. I want more of them. Uh, in fact, for Law Rank, y'all, we, we, we pay y'all to do um, SEO in Spanish. A, SEO in Spanish. One of our specialties, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. If we can just touch on the intake. So when somebody calls us, say press one for English, two for Spanish. We, no, because we have live answer. We don't. We don't do that. And the person answers. How do they let them know that they also speak Spanish? Well, we we don't. We 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 answer in English. Okay. Then, but anybody that's a receptionist has to be bilingual. We don't answer in English and Spanish. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, but please don't do that. No, no. But or, I mean, it, if they hear that there's a thick accent, do they switch? Yeah, yeah. I do mean, they it, wait it, for the person to ask, does anyone speak Spanish? Like, how does it, that Well, work? usually right up front that they'll say something, uh, the caller will say something and they convert. And then, like I said, three of the four intake are Spanish speaking. And almost all the people that are second tier on intake, which are case managers, uh, most of the calls go to my senior case managers. Uh, there's five of those and they're all, all bilingual. On the litigation side, we have paralegals that are bilingual. So the cases in litigation, they're covered there. And in pre-litigation, most of my case managers are bilingual. And so they that's fine. Adding the Spanish-speaking attorneys is a big deal. But I almost think it's more of a big deal to me than it is for the clients. Because the clients, we did not really have trouble when we didn't have an attorney. The the, the staff was able to, to adequately do all this. Now, a lot of it had to be translated. The, ask the attorney you know, what the deal is uh, as far as a settlement and go back and report the client. So maybe stuff got lost in translation. I well, also, I mean, if they're, if they don't speak English, they're, they're clearly immigrants, right? Sure. And I have to assume that sometimes if they're here illegally, they don't even understand that they have rights. Correct. They, 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 they don't understand or they're scared. And I get that. Yes. I get that. They can still make a claim. I mean, the, the, the of course, no, I, I know that. But do they know that? They don't know that. And nobody educates them to that. Right. that you know, the, all the billboard TV and radio advertisers educate that you have a claim and insurance companies are bad and you got to have a lawyer, all that. So if they listen to that. They're kind of partially educated, but they're not educated on the fact that they they themselves, uh, somebody that might have overstayed their visa or came here illegally, that, that they have a right. How many cases do you generate a month? We sign up um, over a hundred. You're super successful. Well, thank you. I don't know. We 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 sign up a lot of cases, and yeah, but we do it without the advertising. I'm not opposed to the advertising. No, I, I know you're not. I looked into it, and you know that I was looking at doing some radio advertising in DFW. I've not pulled the trigger on anything. The four areas: the billboards, TV, radio, and pay per click. I right. don't do, but I do other. I do market. I mean, obviously, I do SEO work, and we we do a lot of business online. What do you do SEO work? Uh, let me think. I can't remember the name. <laughs> oh God, that would suck. Yeah. No, big law brand. You know what's, you know what's funny? You know People actually, I will be like, "Who's your SEO provider?" And they cannot. They're like, "Wait, who? Wait, hold on." And like, it takes them a second. They don't take it seriously. Then they okay. have to. They well, have to. There's 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 cases out there. You got to do what you can to get them. No, obviously I, I use Law Rank and with a lot of success. So that's that's generating a huge chunk of our business. No, we love so, it. I'm so happy to hear. I remember you asked the question that a lot of people ask, but you wanted the opposite answer that everybody else was asked, like wanted. 
So Mark asked me, do you offer exclusivity? And I said, no. And he goes, okay, that's what I wanted to hear. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, before I was the law rank, that was a big deal to me. And I'd, I'd done the search for a new SEO uh, team like two or three years before. And it felt like it was just yesterday. And I was big on exclusivity. And the the problem was the ones I wanted, I couldn't get because they already had somebody in DFW. And I ended up getting with a company that, was available in DFW, uh, but it just was not a good fit. And I suffered through and my cases suffered. I didn't get enough business. Uh, this is the one right before I switched over to law rank. So I didn't care about that. You know, I'd already done background work on y'all and I knew y'all had success. Y'all do well for me. I don't care what you do for other people. That's, that's perfect. It's a perfect fit. You're really big on work-life balance. I feel like you are. Whether you, I don't know if you say it or you don't, or you think about it or you don't, but... I see you traveling the world half the time. You're at the office, then you're not. That's I think that's everyone's dream. So how did you accomplish that? Well, two things. One is COVID made me realize that I could, me and everybody else could work remote a lot of what we do. And so I spent a lot of time in LA and I would work from my home there and it was just like I was at the office. And I, I credit COVID, not, I mean, all Zoom, all that technology was all available before. It just really wasn't as accepted. And so uh, just the, the the ability to say, hey, I'm not in the office, but I, I can still work. Maybe it's one hour a day. Maybe it's six hours a day. Might be 10. But it doesn't matter really where I'm at. So that it was just more of a mindset change that COVID brought about, not just me, but everybody else. And nobody really cares where I'm at. When I'm talking to a client or a doctor, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I don't really think about work-life balance, but that's, that's you know, part of it. And part of it is I got a really good staff, uh, including lawyers. And so they can handle issues that I would at least would think that I had to be the only one that could handle it. But, you know, you got to let go. If I'm going to be gone, in traveling and not accessible for a while, I got to let other people step up and handle the, the the tough calls, and they can. How long have you had your firm? 17 years. And what are some other mindset changes that you've had in those 17 years in regards to running your firm? Sure, sure. The, the, the biggest one, so when I started out 17 years ago, it was with zero cases and me and one employee. And she was with me a long time before, and she just retired this year, 25 years with me. So I remember it just, you telling me. Yeah, yeah. So That's amazing, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just she and I with no cases because I'd done mass torts before, and my partner's retired, and we, we just referred our, our cases out, and we had nothing. And so then I was so cheap. Uh, even if I had the money, I wasn't going to spend it on any sort of marketing. And this is back even 17 years ago. Um, Yellow pages were still a deal, right? Mm -hmm. And websites were often like four pages on it, just a home page and about us, a yeah. practice area page and a contact us form. And that's what mine looked like. I swear it's four pages. And uh, that was not a big way to get money. Companies like, I mean, there, there were SEO companies, but it wasn't a big deal. And so, but I was so cheap. Oh my God. It's I, I, so funny because I would never describe you as a cheap person. Ever. Not only obviously in business because you never I know we joke about this but you never negotiated and I mean we don't negotiate at law rank so you didn't miss out on anything but a lot of people try to negotiate you don't negotiate I don't think you're cheap in general like 
if we go out to lunch, you try to pay, you know, kind of fight over that. I think maybe you've won at some point in time or another. So I just wouldn't describe you as that. So was it just like a fear of like losing that money? What 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 was the Yeah, I just didn't have the right business mindset. Uh, you know, there's the old adage you gotta spend money to make money. And I don't know why. I, I had I had plenty of capital to to spend it on advertising or anything and I didn't do it. And that it's very limiting, and I, I regret that. I, I think uh, I'm, I'm really happy with our case count now, and I think I could have got here a lot sooner if I would have had this revelation before. But instead, I had this limiting. And I, I can't tell you that one thing changed. It wasn't really one click. Even Okay, so I pay you guys considerably more than I paid the, the prior company. I'm getting way more out of it. So it, it was a it was a super good deal to move to law rank, uh, even though it was a, it was a good no, amount of money. No, we're not cheap. No, we're no. definitely not cheap. Uh, but when I started, you know, I mean, this is pretty basic stuff. So the people listening are going to be rolling their eyes. But, you know, figure out your average case value. And everybody should know that. And then figure out what is what would the most that you'll pay to get that average case and have that number in your head and try to go find out if you can get more cases uh, for that amount or less. And whether it's a thousand dollars a case or two or five, and it kind of depends on your area, your jurisdiction. Some cases get more money. Some people will pay more and yeah, we'll all pay a ton of money for a truck wreck case, but I'm talking just on the average run of the mill case, whether you do, I mean, you know, I, I'm giving PI references, I guess you don't have to do PI to, to, to have the same mindset, but I, I just didn't, I didn't do the math really. And once I started doing the math saying, Hey, I make, I make this amount on a case and I'm going to use, 10 grand because it's a round number if it's, yep. if it's i'm gonna if i make 10 grand a case where do i make money in here i got to process the case i got to employ people got to have i gotta have my overhead and how much will i pay and a number i hear a lot of lawyers say is i'll pay two grand a case okay yep, i hear that a lot yeah yeah so I'm, I'm just using kind of everybody's basic numbers so at two grand a case can i go out and get do I want more cases? If the answer is yes because you can generally increase your net revenue if you get more cases uh can i get cases for two grand and and of course nothing is guaranteed that that's the problem people look for guarantees and nothing's guaranteed but you can make you know good bets and i just didn't make those bets and i just was too i I didn't do the math and if the math was there i would have like spent a lot more money and uh i mean the math would have been there if i would have calculated um but now uh, i i it's it's very it's just all a it's all business and if i can if i can have a in fact, I just bought leads recently. I hadn't bought leads in like 15 years, yeah. but I did the math and I said, you know what? If what they're saying as far as conversion rate holds true, then that's within my uh, within my budget and I'm going to go buy and I, I cut a check and I'm getting the leads now. And of course, I'll take those leads and try to refer them out and get other leads back from doctors and all that. You know, try to work the leads to get the max value out of it. But it was a mindset change, and if I wouldn't have made the mindset change, I wouldn't all be with law rank because I wouldn't have paid y'all's price. But I pay your price. I get cases in. The math works. And well, your cost per case with law rank is significantly under two grand. Oh, sure. It's under a grand. Oh, wow. I didn't know if you were going to say it. Yeah. Thank you. Another thing. This coach of yours. Yes. We talk about this coach of yours, which I've spoken with, and he's very bright. Yeah, he's amazing. And I'm so lucky to be with him. I've been with him like three years. And uh, at the time, uh, his name is Sher- <laughs> Sharon Shrivesta. And at the time, he was in the uh, 
consulting space and he there was never 100 percent what he did but it was a small part he just liked getting with different business owners ceos and i reached out to him heard him on a podcast and had a phone call very much like you had a phone call with him and just we hit it off and then since then he's he's not doing as much coaching and i feel very very fortunate that i'm still uh the one of the ones he coaches and he's not in the legal space and i love that at first that i thought is that right do i need to get a coach that knows law I mean, we're still a, just a business. You right? are. And, and I go to these conferences, uh, try to go to several a year where I network and I learn stuff from other really smart lawyers. So I get enough of that from, and also podcasts. I listen to podcasts, read books, go to conferences, part of masterminds. I do all that on the law side. Mm-hmm. And I have my coach, Sharon, that helps me on the business side. And he gives me so many good examples that I can apply in the law that he gets. He's the president of a real estate company now and real estate agents or there's a lot of similarities between those and lawyers and you don't think about it, but he goes, here's what we do to, 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 to advertise this, or here's what we do to think a referral source. And, and I can use what he does in the real estate space, in the law space. And that's not the only thing he does for me, but, but it's just, it's just great. I love having a coach. Love it. Yeah. I feel like I see a pattern with successful law firm owners And there's always a learning component and like open-minded, like they're open-minded they're willing to like change. They're not resistant to change. They want to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if you're not willing to learn, you're just going to keep doing the same stuff over and over and over. And practicing law, it can be a grind, right? And so if you're, if you're a car wreck lawyer, which is what a lot of PR lawyers are. And it's it's a lot of what we do. It's in the in the ninety percent, ninety, ninety five percent of what we do. You can just get get in the grind of that and you could be a perfectionist at that and get better at that, try cases, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you're not really focused on the business and and you just gotta grow because it's not the same. And like I mentioned earlier when I started the firm, the way we got cases is not the way I get cases now. You gotta no. change, you gotta learn from others. And there's so much stuff out there. Uh, like yeah. I mentioned, podcast books, seminars. It's so much better than it was even 10 years ago. And if you don't take advantage of all that information out there, you're going to be stuck and you're going to get passed up for sure. Yeah, I just had Chad Dudley on again. And he was saying how the cost per case now is just higher. There's like no real way around that. And I think a lot of firms get really frustrated because they want the status quo. And it's like, well, and Yellow Pages is always the example, right? It's like, well, by that logic, advertise on the yellow pages, right? It And we live in a world that changes so rapidly. And now with AI, are you using AI yet? No, I'm going to use, um, I'm going to write some demands with AI. Uh, even up? I'm going to use even up, yeah. I I've love heard, even up. I've heard Ray speak. I've talked with Ray about it. I'm going to do it. I just haven't done it yet. In fact, I, I want to grab him at the conference and talk to him a little bit more. But in the next month, I'll have... I'll have done that, but I want to try it. I want to see, uh, I want to see how good it is. And I've heard really good things about it. I have four demand writers that do nothing but write demands. And I want to see, I want to kind of compare. Yeah. Okay. Don't hate me for asking this. Don't what? get mad at me. What? But who, <laughs> who are you engaged to? <laughs> My fiance, <laughs> Carrie. Tell us about her. She's wonderful. She's here at the conference. She does not. She's the first time I brought her around a bunch of lawyers. Why am I getting all these Instagram messages asking me why I'm having dinner with a housewife of Dallas? Well, she was on 
the Real Housewives of Dallas before we met, uh, and she had that's her. Um, she has a little celebrity associated with that. People see her and know her from that, which is still kind of unusual for me. We had people at dinner fangirling her. She gets it all the time, especially we're in Nashville right now. For some reason, she has a lot of fans in Nashville. I would have never thought that. But she, wherever we go, she's, people come up to her. That's crazy. So are you going to go on the show? She's not. No, they're not filming. I know. But what if they film again? Uh, that'd be a conversation we'd have. I, the biggest part about it, and I asked I ask her that question. I said, well, what if a show comes back and we're married? And she goes, you would hate it. And I said, why would I hate it? She goes, mainly because it requires you to be in town to to film like for three months. And she goes, and there's like zero way I would stay in town for three months. I, I just don't. I'm more nomadic. I don't want to be anywhere for very long. So, What's next? I just want to keep growing. That's just my deal. Uh, this this hundred cases a month is great. We can process it. I have a. I've, I'm kind of overstaffed a bit, which during COVID it was the hardest thing was staffing for me. I just could not get the staffing right, and, and our case counts were two hundred case managers, which led to issues and really not their fault. More my fault. I didn't have them staffed properly. So we we have case counts now in the range that I like them, and we're hiring. And so I'm I'm hiring ahead of the cases as opposed to behind. In the past, I've always hired behind. In other words, get the cases and then try to solve whatever problem, in air quotes, that having a lot of cases presents. Now I'm flipping it. I want to hire ahead and then backfill with cases, but then that puts pressure on me to, to, to get the cases in the door. When a client says, I want more cases and they're already doing as good as it's going to get digitally, it's always, well, do you want to go into a new market or do you want to do offline marketing, which is, you know, billboards, TV, radio. So when you say you want to grow, you still want to grow within your market. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll consider the offline, uh, the TV, radio, billboards. I'll consider all that. And I would consider if we get tapped out in DFW, and I don't think we can grow anymore there, going to another place. But right now, that's not even on the radar because, again, DFW has plenty of opportunity. I think you should definitely solidify your market. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we have. Uh, so, and I think there's more cases to get and more growth. And of course, it's not just about accumulating cases. We got to, you know, do a good job for these folks, because uh, if we do, we're going to get referrals from them. That's going to help build the business too. Um, so it's not just a numbers game, but mm, in in a way, it kind of it can be. So you ask what's in the future. The future is me focused on how am I going to grow and then how am I going to staff the growth and, you know, still keeping up the same kind of quality and, and all of that. Um, but it's just it's all about growth for me right now. Soon it's going to be your face on billboards. Your voice on radio. <laughs> oh, I won't be on TV. I have a better voice probably. And it's my I accent. Do. My accent works. I don't know. The people listen to this in California, New York, and go, where's this guy? What does he sound like? I mean, I'm, I sound like I'm from Texas. You so do that's... sound like you're from. Well, I mean, you are from Texas, I right? I am. Born and raised. Yeah. Why don't you do a commercial with Carrie? I've never thought about that. No. You've... No, come on. Do it. It would work. People know who she is. They'd be like, wait, what? You know, Sweet James, he... Was or is, I don't know. There was drama there, but married to a, ha a real housewife. Yeah, Orange County that he was yeah. on for a year. But like their divorce drama like played out in the show and that was just a mess. Yeah. That, uh, but just do a commercial with her. I don't know. I really think you have to capitalize on this. Like how many people have that kind of like exposure? Like very, I, I did very few. When I was looking at radio, which I've not shut the door on that. Uh, oh my but God, have her do it. Well, 
let me get to it. Okay. So, so, so part of the stations I interviewed were the Spanish speaking stations. And I told her after my like three days of interviews, she was kind of part of it. She went to dinner with some of the stuff. So she knew what I was doing. I said, Hey, if I, jump on Spanish still. I'm going to want you to do the commercials. And she just kind of laughed, but it was like, yeah, sure, whatever. But I think uh, she should do it as like her. Oh yeah. No, like, it, like it, saying it, it's her. And yeah, I think after you guys get married, you really have to like utilize this. We'll see. We'll and see. I know, I mean, I guess I don't know, but I get the sense that Carrie would totally be down like, I think you're the one that has more of an issue with it. Yeah. I mean, I've only mentioned it once. She like was positive to it. We didn't talk about it much, but yeah, she's, she's awesome. She'll, if, you know, yeah. she'll, she'll, she'll do it. Uh, but I don't know that that's a big decision, not getting her to do it. The big decision is to spend the money yeah. on that medium. And really it's like, can I start out in DFW, which is really big, six and a half million people with low brand, I mean, I've represented like 20,000 folks. And so to them, they know who I am, but you know, we got six and a half million people. So basically you're starting out in a very competitive marketplace, unknown and how much time and money you have to spend uh, to get your branding up, to get to where you get those calls ringing. And I, I just don't know. And I don't. And so I was looking at radio only. What scared me about it was, uh, can you really get that? Because most of the, the folks, the the PL lawyers that advertise in DFW, they do it all. They do the billboards, they do the radio and the TV. So it's it's a it's a concerted effort on on all the different mediums. And they're also doing pay per click and website. I mean SEO. They're they're doing just every, digital. Click. And I've been very honest with you about pay per click because we handle pay per click for some of our clients. It's just really high cost per case right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just never, I mean, yeah, you should, everybody should do their branding of their own name and buy it so other people don't get money off you, but I mean, you should do that. That's, that's easy. The, that's yeah. A, that's a that, no brainer, but yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just separating. So, so we do that. Right. Right. But we don't do, I've just always been scared of it. I have tried it out a few times before I was with law rank with some success, uh, but mostly with failure. And uh, I think I, I stopped counting at nine. I had me Different times have I tried it out. Different people, different agencies. I just never could get the. I just never could get it to work at the cost uh, that I want to keep it at. Now I know other people do it. I see my competitors, or I say competitors, other lawyers, friendly competitors. Uh, you know, we only compete for cases. After that, they're not competitors. But I see them do it consistently, and I just, I don't know. I just don't. I, I, I just not have been able to find success so i stay away from that you know we're doing everything else we can you know lsa's and you know, what would be that. a cost per case that you would be comfortable with two yeah you're not gonna get that no i'll tell you right now no i mean the the, the clicks are too high and the, the, the clicks could be my competitor just like if you had a money. brand like a really strong brand then like maybe 25 right now there's other ways i can spend money or effort to get cases so i'm not even really considering the pay-per-click uh if 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 I either strike out or maximize all the other, then maybe I'd consider it. And, you know, maybe at that point. And that's, that's, we have firms like that that are like, they either just do it all, like literally everything you can ever think of. And then there are firms that are, and it's those firms that are like, well, I still want to stay within this market. And this is like the only th other thing we're not doing. So it's fine if the cost per case is 2,500, 3,500 good with us i've just said i'm going to put that to the back burner i'm not even going to consider it so i'm going to occupy any space in my mind because there's other things that interest me I, oh mass torts i'm going to do that uh i did mass torts a lot oh god it's like eight years of my life uh earlier on in my career uh before i started my own firm 17 years ago that's what i've done primarily uh for multiple years before that 
got out of it. I've not got back in it. I am going to, and I've met some people here at this conference. I've, I've uh, decided to do that. You know, so I'm taking some some revenue from my PI practice before I pay taxes on it, called an expense, right. and then I'm going to do it. Uh, so I'm, you know, trying to figure out. I mean, it's there's it's just investing is all it is. I'm not trying to be a mass tort lawyer and handle the cases right. and get on a plan steering committee and spend all my life and wherever the MDL is located. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm very not, few lawyers. Do. Oh no, it's just a handful, yeah. and it's all changed. It's totally different than when I did mass torts before. But am I going to do it now? Yeah, I'm going to do it just because it interests me. It's a way to invest. I invest in other stuff. I invest in, you know, multifamily housing and stuff. To me, this is just another, just another form of investment. It just happens to be related to the PI space. Which no, makes and it's it nice. it's what I tell Mariano. I'm like. Because you know he went to law school, but he never took the bar. I'm like, go take the bar so we can invest in mass torts. Because it's an invest. It's only only lawyers can invest in mass torts. It's really just that. It's an investment platform. Sure. You know, that's it. That's it. The way and it is now in 2023, that's the way it is. And I yeah. do, I do think though you have to get in on it early, and you have to diversify. Like, don't go all in on one tort. I would never do that. I would do like. I would say I'm going to spend X amount of money and I'm going to go five different torts and get in early on all of them. Even though the risk is higher earlier, if you if you just do that with five, imagine if you do it with five different torts and you get in early and you're diversified, you just need one to hit. Yeah, I agree and partially agree. How are you going to do it? Okay, I'm going to, I agree with diversify and I'm not going to start out by putting the money in five. I'm going to do one and then do the other. But well, I mean, uh, the, the, they take a while. To, I mean, you can't even just, there aren't five new towards no. that one, you know? No, but yes, definitely diversify. Don't put all my eggs in one basket. That's just smart business sense. But as far as getting in early, I don't know if I fully subscribe to that because Why? it's so much risk early on. You don't even know. Okay? Well, it just depends how much money you're talking. Maybe you space it out. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm going to put X amount pretty early. And then if it looks like it's going to do well, then you put more. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 the earlier you go, the riskier it is for yes, sure, right? Yes, And it's, it's what is your cost per case there versus waiting to see if it's a little bit developed. I'm not talking all the way to a roundup no, where they've course, already made a settlement. I'm, I'm not I talking mean. that. But, you know, say these things have a five-year lifespan. And if you invest in month one where you don't know anything versus – Maybe, I don't know. I'm just making these numbers up. Two years in where suits are filed, cases pending. Maybe they've not got to a Daubert hearing yet. So and maybe there's no settlement talks, but things are looking good. And you can get some some word on how the, you know, how it's looking, how the discovery is going, how the documents look. Maybe invest in. If you pay more per case, but you've lowered the it's risk. It's just a lot more, though. I don't know. I was looking at some fire foam cases and talking to folks about how much those cost. And I talked to somebody that had got in a year before. So it's a little riskier. Uh, some things have uh-huh. gone on there and paying about the same as what they're, they're buying them at now. That's so, atypical though. Maybe From my is. understanding, if you get in really early, it's like way cheaper, but like significantly cheaper. Yeah. And also it depends on who you partner up with. There's a lot of folks in that space. There's several of them here at this conference uh, and they have different pricing. Uh, and, it's, you know, there's more than just what's it cost. There's what kind of criteria, the double signed cases. And what's are, here, yeah. Yeah, the double signed cases are a big deal in these mass tours. These folks sign up with more than one firm and then you have a ton of drops. Uh, there's, there's all... The qualifying criteria is important and all that. It's just, I mean, nothing as simple as one or two metrics. You look at it all. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in the process of doing that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
yeah, I've already decided I'm going to make uh, get in one deal. And I've said, send me the paperwork. Let me look at it. And then, you know, try to look at the next deal. I don't even consider that part of my practice, though. That's mm-hmm. almost like outside investing. I'm, I'm taking my practice money and I'm putting it. Don't even really have to assign an employee to, to manage it. Uh, and. I mean, I guess I have one because we'll get reports in from the in-law firm that handles it and all that stuff. But it's not going to take away from my mm-hmm. employee time. So it's just it's an investment. With it's management. pre-tax. That's what I like about it. Yeah, I mean, it's an expense because you're, you're you're doing advertising expenses just like you're buying a billboard or paying an SEO firm. And then if it does hit later on five years and then you, you know, you get to return your money. Yeah, you'll pay taxes then. But you definitely it's almost like an annuity. You you mm-hmm. pay taxes in the end. Uh, yeah, or it's just an expense and you lost money if it doesn't work out. Thank you so much to Mark for everything he shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show.